0: You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from student pastor Josh Barnett. Well, good evening, church. Uh, My name is Josh Barnett. I'm the youth pastor here at the church. Uh, I want to welcome you to our 11th and final part of James. This has been an incredible study as we have gone uh, literally, verse by verse, every chapter, every verse, we have gone all the way through James. If you've missed any of it, or you want to re-listen or re-watch any of the podcasts, you definitely can do that. You can, you can get online. You can go on YouTube. You can check all of those out, um, church. I, I want to encourage you that it's so important that we don't just. Um, read and study the Bible or one book of the Bible one time all the way through, but that we do it over and over and over again. We've got to understand that this, this is a living word that we have. This is something that the Holy Spirit wants to constantly reveal himself to us as we read it over and over. And our goal in reading this word is we want to become like the word. We want to be like the Word. We want, to, we want to become more like Christ, more like our Lord. Ephesians 5.1 says that we are to imitate God and walk in love in all that we do. And I, You know, the church, the more that we read the Word, the more that we study it, the more that we actually recognize the voice of the Lord, the more that we recognize His voice and it's the easier that we are led by the Holy Spirit. The more we read it, the more it will be in us. The, the, the more hope that we will have, the more love that we will have, and the more like Jesus we will be. And so... As we wrap up, James, as we bring all of this together, I just want to take tonight to conclude this and to bring some major themes together that James covered. I want to do a broad overview. I want to talk about some of the highlights that James goes through uh, in here. And so, you know, don't, I want to encourage you, don't check out during this time just because we've listened to the first five chapters, but really tune in. It's very easy to think thoughts like, well, I know that, or I've heard that, or like, yeah, I got that. And I, I want to let you know, church, that's actually a very religious way to think. Every time we open the Word, we should open it looking in the mirror, self-evaluating ourselves, asking the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And, and most of the time, you know, i found in my own life, maybe you have too, that when we think we've gotten something, something down, it's usually a sign that we don't. Um, and I also want you to know we are, we're forgetful people. Like, we've got to be reminded of things all The time we have to listen to the that's how we learn. We learn through repetition. And I I love C.S. Lewis when he was talking about uh, scripture and teaching of scripture. He said that that we are forgetful people and then we need to be reminded more than we need to be instructed. And so we have to be reminded of the things really that we already know. So let's dive in here. Grab your Bibles. Let's eat this up together. I I, want to do a big picture overview overview of the book. Uh, I, w- I want to dive into James. remember when we 're reading the new testament we 're mostly reading letters that were written to the church abroad and this was written this was inspired from the Holy Spirit, and this is this is one continuous flow of thought from the Lord. This is one continuous flow from James as he 's writing this down. And it would have been mailed out. It would have been sent out to churches all over the region, all over the area. They would have taken them in. They would have read them publicly uh, to the entire church. They would have read them over and over again. They would have studied different parts, much like we're doing tonight. Um, and, and But I, I want you to know as you go through this, when you read the book of James, and if you read the five chapters, it really doesn't take very long. You can read the five chapters in like 15, 20 minutes. It's really easy to sit down and read through it all. Um, you know, it was a long time after the, the chapters and the verses were added for our easy reference. But this is one continuous letter straight from the heart of God, straight to His people, not only 2,000 years ago, but even now today. I actually want to start with a verse from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It says all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The reason I start with that is that is the very reason that James wrote his letter. He was using it to correct us, to reprove us, to teach us. The book of James is a simple, practical instruction for the way believers are supposed to be conducting themselves. You know, odds are at this time, the reason James wrote this is that believers were struggling with these things that he's talking about, and Holy Spirit knew that we were going to be struggling with these things 2,000 years later, and that's why it was included in the Scripture. And the main thing James is trying to get us to see is, what does a Christian look like, and how does a Christian act, and what is a Christian supposed to do? And it's, it's actually fascinating, the teachings of James parallel the teachings of Jesus, If you read the Sermon on the Mount, if you read Matthew 5-7, through and then you go read the book of James, you'll find that those teachings parallel one another big times. that James is really just repeating what his brother Jesus said, which also, I think, is fascinating. Uh, James was the brother of Christ, and during Christ's ministry, James was embarrassed by Jesus. He even rejected his brother. He thought he was cuckoo crazy. He thought he was nuts. And and really kind of removed himself from his life, which actually I think this is fascinating because I think I think the fact that James became a leader in the church, that James wrote this letter inspired by the Holy Spirit, that James became a shepherd, he became a pastor, he became an apostle, is proof that the resurrection that we just celebrated on Easter... By the way, which Easter service was awesome. If you haven't watched that, you've got to go watch our Easter service. But James's conversion is proof of the resurrection for me because he was how how come he was embarrassed and rejected his brother Jesus, but then switched, right? Because Jesus rose from the dead, right? That kind of confirms everything that Jesus said growing up saying, I'm the son of God. It kind of confirmed all of those things. And so Jesus, uh, so James completely switched. And I, I think it's so cool that the teachings of James reflect those of his brother Jesus. I think that was just an incredible way for James to honor the life and ministry of Jesus. James spent his life teaching others what Jesus, his brother, taught in his message in his life. So let's look at a few things. I want to recap. I want to see some highlights. I want to look at a few major themes that we see in the book of James as we close this out. Actually there's five chapters. I want to look at five highlights, or five major themes that James uh, teaches on. The first one is wisdom. This is a book of wisdom. Uh, This is a book where James has combined teachings from Proverbs and teachings from Jesus. In James 1.5, he starts the book saying, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and He will give it to you. He's a good God and He will not rebuke you for asking. And right away we see God wants us to be wise. God wants us to walk in wisdom. God wants to show us the way that He would do things. I think really... Wisdom is just seeing things from God's perspective and doing the, and handling the things, handling situations the way God would ask them. And this whole letter is wisdom from God on how we are supposed to behave. If there's a situation in your life right now that you don't know how to handle, that you don't know, maybe there's a relationship issue, maybe there's, Uh, issues in your family or at work or in your home or even right now during this uh, virus that we are uh, trying to survive through, make it through economic hard times. Maybe you need wisdom on how to handle, how to walk through these things. God just says, just ask him. Ask him. He's a generous father who wants to give wisdom to his kids. But James goes on to say in verses 6-8 6-8 through eight of chapter 1, But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person uh, with divile, divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that they do. And so James is saying, if you're going to ask for wisdom, like, you better be completely convinced God better be your only option. Because if he's not your only option, then James says, you're a double-minded man. You're unstable in all your ways. You know, if we, we, we ask God for something, but we also, you know, we want to watch the news and see what they say about it. Not watching the news is bad, but we want to take the news's opinion and make that our opinion. Or we want to take this person's perspective and make it our perspective. Or we want to take, we draw from other sources besides the Lord. James says, you're double-minded. You're being rocked by the waves of culture. You're going to be rocked by the waves of fear. You're going to be rocked by the waves of anxiety. You've got to be sure that your faith is in God and in God alone whenever you ask. James 3.17, he said, True wisdom from God is pure. It is peace-loving. It is gentle at all times. It is full of mercy and good deeds. That is what the wisdom of God looks like. James says we cannot expect to receive anything from the Lord if we do not make Him our only option, if we don't put all of our faith in Him. Which leads me to number two. Number two is faith. Our faith has to be in God and God alone. And James really highlights faith in chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. and he, he, But really all through the book, James is trying to teach us simply this, that faith without works is useless. useless, faith without works is dead, it, 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 he's saying, he's trying to teach us all through the book that if your faith isn't backed up by actions, then it's actually not faith. It's not real. He says, you say you believe in God, good for you. Even the demons believe in God and they tremble at his name. And so it's not enough to intellectually agree that God is real. It's not enough to intellectually uh, believe that, that he is real and to believe that this is his word. We actually have to act on what he tells us to do. We actually have to walk in obedience. And he says, if it's not backed up by actions, then it's not real faith. I, I, I love uh, this quote here. It says, Faith alone is what saves us, but it is a faith that is not alone. Faith alone saves us, but it is a faith that is not alone. And it, what that means is that our faith and works are married together. We are saved by putting our faith in Jesus, but when we really put our faith in Jesus, it leads to transformed transform thinking. You know, repentance, uh, the Greek word for repentance used in the New Testament is metanoia. And metanoia literally means to change the way that you think. And so real faith in Christ transforms the way that we think, transforms the way that we see the world, gives us perspective, gives us wisdom by putting our faith in God and God alone, gives us godly wisdom, gives us his perspective, and it leads to a completely transformed life. And so, if nothing changed about you saying a little prayer, then you may not have real faith. It may not actually be real because it is a transformed life. Genuine faith always results in obeying the teachings of Christ. Genuine faith always results in obedience to the teachings of Jesus. Good works don't save us, but they do prove that we are saved. Good works, are the, they don't save us, The finished work was on the cross. Jesus did the good work. But he gave us his righteousness so that we then could do the good works of the kingdom. All through this letter, James echoes Jesus showing us that true faith is reflected by mainly two things. And it's what Jesus, he boiled all the law down into two commandments. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 39, he says that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And you love your neighbor as yourself. And that's what James shows us all through, his, all through his book. Two things he's talking about. Love God and love others. Love your neighbor as yourself. And love is seen through action. Love is seen through action. Hey, you know, many times I, I, I think of an example I was taught as a kid is that that putting our faith in God is is like having a chair next to you, believing that the chair will hold you, but never actually sitting in it. And so... How do I say that I have faith in the chair if I am actually unwilling to sit in it? the same way, how can we say that we have faith in God if we're unwilling to obey him, if we're unwilling to do what he tells us to do? And so prove your faith. You sit down. You sit down in the chair to prove that it's going to hold you. We show God that we have faith in him. We show that our faith is genuine when we do what he tells us to do. To do Real faith is shown by genuine love for God and genuine love for others. Real faith is always going to produce good fruit. James one twenty two says we can't be merely hearers of the word, but we have to be doers of his word. If it's real faith in God, then obedience will be a natural byproduct. James constantly echoes through his entire letter that a major way, I'm going to move on to number three here, James constantly echoes through his entire letter that a major way we show our faith by our works is in the area in which we handle our wealth and our money. So number three is wealth. James talks a lot about wealth in his book and how we handle it, how we manage it, what we're supposed to do with it as believers. James 1, 27 through chapter 2, verse 1, remember this would have been in continuous flow. There wouldn't have been a breakup here, so it's okay to move from one chapter into the other. So 127 through chapter 2, verse 1 says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over Others, Believers are not supposed to show favoritism. He goes on to talk about that also later in the book. But we are not supposed to show favoritism because this person is dressed nice, because they have name brand clothes, because they're in a nice car, because they seem successful by society's standards. Because many times if we're just showing them favorites because we have hidden motives, we look at people as to be used by us as to gain something from people rather than giving our lives for others. We cannot favor people because of how they will benefit us. Instead, we are to show the love of God to everyone. We are called, as Christians, as believers, to treat everyone. Love your neighbor as yourself. Everyone. Who's your neighbor? Everybody. <laughs> Believer and unbeliever alike. We're supposed to treat everybody like they are image bearers of God, that they are all his children. It, James shows us it's actually evil to prefer rich people over poor people, to prefer people who have a high status in society, society over people who have a lower status in society. James chapter 2, verses 15 and 16 says, Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? James says you're dead, you're cold, you don't have real faith, you don't really love God if you're not generous with what you have with what we have been blessed with. You know, that's the chief reason that God wants to bless us is so that we can be a blessing to those around us, a blessing to others. In James 5, he goes into a little rant and he says, Your faith is burning up. It's fleeting. Your clothes are deteriorating. Moths are eating them. It's rotting it 's here today, and it 's gone tomorrow our 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 wealth it, it is not something that we 're supposed to 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 put our whole life into, and so what basically we 're supposed to be generous with what God has blessed us with. He owns it all anyway he 's given it to us, but he wants us to use it to build his kingdom to reach the lost world it's you know it 's so powerful what Uh, you know, what a $20 bill can do in someone's life. What It's so powerful what sending money to a missionary can do. It's so powerful what just simply buying someone's groceries can do or having someone over to your home. Or, you know, maybe some people think, well, I can barely put food on the table. I can barely afford to pay my bills. Well, I want to challenge you to think, what other ways have you been blessed in which you can be generous you know, maybe you know a trade where you could bring some young guy up and teach him some things that you know, or or maybe you have a home that you could have people in just to just to have a good time, just to hang out with people, just to show people love. Maybe you can just be a good host to people, maybe you can be courteous to people. A lot of people spell love T-I-M-E. Maybe you just need to spend some time with people to be generous with those things. Bottom line, James wants believers to know that we should be characterized by compassion and by generosity with what God has given us. Number four, fourth highlight here, moving into the last couple ones. Number four is our words. Major theme that James highlights is our words. And this is another way that we should show our faith. Uh, Show our faith by our actions. We actually can show actions through our words. James 3 Verses 8 and 11 says, No one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of, wa- of water bubble out both fresh and bitter Water. What James is showing us here is like, we, it's not right. We should not bless people on one side of the uh, cheek and then turn around and gossip about them. We can't go praise the Lord and then go gossip about people or go slander people or go run people down. But everything that comes out of our mouth should be a blessing, not only to God, but to His people. Again, faith in action, loving God with our words, loving people with our words. We cannot say we are a people of faith and then talk like we are not. We cannot be believers and curse people created in God's image. We cannot condemn others behind their backs through gossip and slander. And James talks about we can't distort the truth, like let our yes be yes and our no be no's. He is actually, again, reflecting the teaching of Jesus. He's actually echoing the teaching of Jesus. Don't swear by heaven. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Proverbs 18.24 tells us that the power of life and death are in the tongue. And so James in chapter 3 verses 1-12, through he gives a serious stern warning that we've got to be careful about this little thing in our mouth because it can be set on fire by hell. It can be used to destroy people. We have the power to bring, literally, we have the power to bring life to people and to bring death to people. You can do a quick search right now and see how many people have committed suicide because they've been bullied or run down or talked down to their whole life the, the way the words that 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 it changes people and it shapes the way they think about themselves and it shapes the way that they view life and there's actually a statistic that shows that it takes seven positive statements to overcome one negative statement in someone's mind and so let that be our goal that, that you know Seven times more than we say anything else that it, that it is positive, it is faith-filled, it is blessings that are coming out of our mouth. Our words, James shows, actually reveal our character, they actually reveal our faith. Our, our, our words reveal our hearts, and again, Jesus says this in, 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 uh, in Luke chapter 6, he talks about how Uh, out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks out of the overabundance of the heart so what's in you is what comes out of you and it's actually the grace of God I believe that our words do reveal us that our words do sell us out our words do show what's going on in here why is that a grace why is that a blessing because we you know we don't know what we need to (laughs) now we know what we need to work on by what comes out of our mouth like we're going to slip up and say things that are negative or not right or our words are going to reveal our hearts and so this is a grace of God that we actually can see. Hey, I need to tighten up in that area. I need to do better in this area. I need, I need to stop saying those things and start saying these things. So pay attention to what comes out of your mouth. Especially when you are pressed. Especially when you are going through trial and tribulation. When you are going through hard times, your mouth is really going to reveal what's going on in here. Which leads me to the fifth and final highlight that I want to share tonight. Number five is hardships. James addresses that we are going to go through hard times. We are going to go through trials and tribulations. Actually, he starts the book, James chapter 1, verse 2 through 5. He starts the book giving us wisdom from the Lord right here. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Like what? Like when hardships comes, when hard times comes? I'm supposed to consider that joy And James is saying, yes, like look at it through God's perspective. Because it goes on in verse 3, says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. And when endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Trials, temptations, hardships, they really show what kind of Christian we are. They really show what kind of believer they are. They really shows and reveals our character, shows what we need to work on. But really they should... They should cause us to turn to God in wisdom. They should to turn to God for wisdom, to look to Him. Wisdom can cause us to see our hardships through a new perspective. God will give us this wisdom if we have the faith to ask for it because, uh, because true wisdom believes that God is good despite our circumstances. We've got to know, and James talks about this as well, that, that trials and temptations, they don't come from the Lord. Hardship doesn't come from God. Even this COVID-19 virus that we're fighting right now across the world, across our nation, it's not from the Lord. It's not of His character. It's not from Him. Now, I believe that God is going to use it, that He's going to use it for our good and His glory. And that's one of the most fascinating things about our hardships is that God, He doesn't facilitate them, but He uses them to develop our faith, to test our faith, to grow our endurance, to make us completely whole. I love that word, completely whole and mature and lacking nothing. True wisdom believes that God is good despite what's going on around us, especially in the area. And this is how I love He puts it all together in hardship because when hardship comes, it's going to come. But it shows us that when we put our faith and trust in Him, That it's going to affect the areas of our finances, our wealth, and our words. That all of these things are coming together. And James is saying, when these things come, here's how you're going to act. These things are going to cause the real you to come out. So make sure that you really are who you say you are. That you really have faith in God. That you really believe He is who He says He is. James, through his entire book, is simply echoing love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And he gave us some very practical ways that we can do that. The Holy Spirit wants to sit down with us. He wants to sit down with us in the book of James. He wants us to do a self-examination. As you read James, ask the Lord to show you the ways in which you lack in these areas and ask Him to help you strengthen those weak areas. Now as we end here tonight, um, during this time I know that we are facing hardships as a church, as a nation, as a family, uh, across our nation, health and financial. I want you to know that we need the book of James. We need godly wisdom. We need our faith to be married to our works. We cannot be a people who walk in fear during this time in in concern over our health or over our finances. We've got to be a Psalm 91 people. Is our faith in in our economy? Or is it in Jehovah Jireh, our provider? Is our our faith in the doctor's diagnosis? Or is it in Jehovah Rophi, our healer? We've got to stand on, greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. We've got to be a people who speak words of faith. So, have you been complaining? Have you been speaking fear? Or have you been speaking the Word of God? During this time, church, I believe this is a time that we can be a generous people. I don't believe it's a time to shame those who were not prepared economically for a time like this, but it's a time for us to show the goodness of God by sharing what we have with those who are in need. We've got to be a people of compassion for believers and unbelievers. This is a time where even just through our wealth, just through our finances, just through what we've been blessed with, that we can shine bright to the world, that we can really be a city on a hill, that we can be a lighthouse, that we can shine light forth into the darkness, that the church can be a beacon of hope during this time. It's Christ in me that is the hope of glory. And as Christ is, Christ is in me, I've got hope to shine to the world. James was teaching all through here, you can't just talk the talk, you've got to walk the walk. You can't talk the talk. It's time. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where we find out, do we really believe what we say we believe? While these hardships are going on, when persecution happens, when rejection happens, when we go through trials and temptations and tribulation, do we really believe what God says? James says that these trials, these hardships, will make us perfect and complete. And he actually repeats the word perfect. Seven times, which is the number of perfection, seven times in his letter. And that word perfect can actually be translated to wholeness, to wholeness. And it's all about becoming a person whose actions match their belief in Jesus that we are a whole person when our actions match our beliefs in Jesus. And I believe, church, that the Lord is using this time of isolation, this time of quarantine, this time of being separated from from one another to help us become more whole people. He's using this time to help us become more complete people. I believe he's using this time to help us refocus on him, to reevaluate our lives, to look in the mirror, to sit down with him, to sit down. In the Word, I think He's teaching us how to rest during this time. And I really believe He's refining our character during this time. We've got to see God as good, as generous, as trustworthy, despite what our circumstances tell us, despite what's going on around us. Our faith and hope isn't in the economy. It's not in our wealth. Our faith and hope isn't even in the church. Our faith and hope is in God and God alone. He is our provider. He is our healer. He is our peace. He is our rock, our refuge, our Savior, our King. He is our Father. And I want to end with a couple of my favorite verses from James. Chapter 1, verses 17 through 18 says, Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He, he chose to give birth to us by giving us His true word. and we." out of all creation, have become His prized possession. And then James chapter 4, verse 8 says, If you will draw near to God, He will draw near to you. And church, I want to encourage you during this time, draw near to the Lord. Draw near to your good and perfect heavenly Father of lights. He wants to be close to us. We are His prized possession. We are His children. And during this time where we are in our homes, where we are not going about business as usual, church as usual. Let this be a time where we let Him refine us, where we let Him work on us. And let this be a time where we stand on the Word. We stand on faith that we are a people who speak faith, who live out faith, who don't live in reaction to fear, who don't live in response to the enemy, but we live in response to our Heavenly Father who only gives good and perfect gifts from above. Amen. Thank you so much, church, for joining us tonight, praying God's blessings over you. Pray that you got something out of this tonight, praying that God speaks to you through this live stream, uh, believing that even through this study of James, that we we would be a people that look more like Jesus than we did when we first started this series. Let's end with a word of prayer. God, we look to you during this time. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would fill us with your presence. God, even right now as this is streaming out into homes across Garland County and even reaching out further to people who are connected to our church that may tune into this tonight or later on, Lord, I believe that you would touch them with your Holy Spirit, right where they're at, God, that they would feel your peace that passes all understanding wash over them, that they would feel your love cover them. Wave after wave of your love would just wash over them right now, wherever they're at, Lord. Lord, refine us. Let us feel your fire. Put us in the refining fire, Lord. Help us to become more like Jesus. Help us to look more like you. Help us to be that city on a hill that you have called us to be, that we would be a people of faith. We would be a people of hope, Lord. Jesus, we look to you during this time. We hold tight to you. We hold fast to you. Lord, we pray right now for the end of this virus. We, 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 we look to the mountain. We look to the mountain that looks like a curve on a graph right now showing the cases rising and the, death, and the deaths in our nation rising. We look at that mountain and we tell it to cast itself into the sea. We cancel the COVID-19 virus in the name of Jesus. Lord, by your stripes we are healed. And we plead the blood of Jesus over our nation. We plead the, your blood over our world. Lord, we believe that you are going to supernaturally end this thing. For our good and your glory, that this will cause the third great awakening, the greatest revival ever seen in the history of the world, that people would look to you during this time, that it would cause the hearts of nations, it would cause the hearts of leaders, the hearts of your people to turn and look to you and constantly stay fixed. And hooked on you, not just in good times, but also, or not just in bad times right now, but also when times are good and when times are great, that this would cause us to cling to you more tightly for the rest of our lives than ever has before. God, we pray over our world that your kingdom come, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. Have a great night. You have been listening to the CMC podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.